0: Hello and welcome to the Bees Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and I'm delighted to say I'm again joined by my good friend, analyst and Bees fan, Jonathan Hope. Jonathan, how how are you, mate? And thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, I'm really well, Dave. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, How are you? You good?
0: Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, good, good. Chatting to you on this uh, sunny Friday lunchtime. Um, It's a good week. Um, It's absolutely roasting again. good to get a few beers down us after this and yeah chat bees looking forward to it Okay let's jump straight into it mate. Um, just a little round up of um, some news stories that are featuring Brentford and fairly prominent. Um, Aaron Hickey looks like it's done subject to a medical it looks like he's actually passed his medical just speaking now and it's all gone smoothly. Um, any thoughts on that mate?
2: Uh, yeah well it's obviously the one that we've wanted the uh, the fallback situation has uh, obviously been a hot topic for the last few few years now so yeah it's a really exciting one um, obviously just going in depth with Aaron Hickey you know he. He's gonna offer us real nice balance. Um, we'll be able to play in a back four. We'll be able to play as a wing back. Um, yeah, obviously Touchwood because you just you just never know in football. But ninety nine percent looks like it is. It's a done deal and it's it's an exciting one. He's, there's obviously room for there's value there. There's room for improvement. Um, and yeah, just yeah, can't wait to see how, see how he gets on. Um, uh, sounds like a really good signing. The, the club have obviously committed to it with a, a substantial uh, transfer fee so yeah no it's um it's it's, it's a real positive start and, and long may it continue throughout this uh, this window
0: yeah absolutely he feels like one they've tracked for a while um they've obviously identified something in him like his versatility and that that flexibility he can bring to the to the defensive line and and maybe a little bit further forward as well looks quite clever in the in the final third when he gets there so yeah really exciting signing and looking forward to that being done um, another one that looks like it's nearing completion is Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. A um, little bit different player to Hickey, but um, good age profile as well. Like you can see, there's lots of room for development, and, and he's done well at a lower level and looking to push on. Um, yeah, excited about this one if this gets over the line.
2: Yeah, I'd be I'd be really excited if we get uh, Lewis Potter in. Um, watched him quite a fair bit just recently with the under twenty ones. Um, an incredibly direct. Uh, winger, um, likes to receive the ball uh, relatively deep and then to run into his full-back and go 1v1, uh, likes to cut inside. Um, he's also played a little bit with Holsey at wing-back so again, there's that versatility going forwards uh, if we need to change from a 4-3-3 three, three to um, a, a, five, a 3 at the back with wing-backs. Yeah, just again someone that I think would be a really, really exciting addition. Um, someone's fresh um, and would give us just yeah just uh, a little bit more quality going forward. Um, obviously, again, this is we say it's close to completion. Again, I, I'm, I'm led to believe the whole owner is a bit of a, um, a bit of a stickler for you know he, he really fancies his chances this year of them doing something. So um, I'm hoping that um, all parties come to an agreement and we can get this one over the line.
0: Yeah, these players are just never signed or done until they're done, are they? There's always things that can drop away. Um, and yeah Hull do have a reputation of being a bit of a frustrating club to deal with so yeah fingers crossed on this one but yeah but really exciting if it does get if he um, does get added to the squad just giving a bit of competition to Mbemo, Wisser and those forward wide players It could be a really exciting player so yeah one to keep an eye on there. The other bit um, uh, the other bit of news on this list here that we have is um, there's a Matthew Benham interview from Bees United that's uh, that dropped um, it was like part two it's come out in two stages and uh it was it was really interesting i mean he doesn't do many inter- interviews himself um he rarely speaks to to any media um but bees united have got a bit of a scoop there and uh had a chat with him and it's good to read and hear his views on the season how he interprets stuff um yeah uh, i found it a good interview did you did you have a read of it um jonathan i haven't managed to read it
2: yet actually sadly so that is one that i need to uh, get around to but uh yeah, I'd be really interested to uh, read his thoughts going forward.
0: Yeah, he's um he's a funny guy. Uh, I think uh, he always like downplays how much he knows. He tries to act a lot stupider than he is. He, he's very contrary. He never really agrees with anything you suggest, and he's always got this like stance of how could you possibly know the truth or you're miles away from what's reality and what's really happening. But um, I, I think he's an interesting guy to read and, and hear his comments, and in yeah. Ericsson, their assessment of is fascinating because the the club message and everyone interesting at the club seems to be really keen on downplaying how important Ericsson was to us, which is strange a little bit. I mean, they're trying to say in the data that he has we we were an okay side anyway, and he didn't really improve us that much, but I, I think he did. He was a massive say on our the second half of our season and we could have definitely there's a big chance that we would have gone down without him. Like, there's no point in denying that. Um, but at the same time, would this team have come together without him and and stayed up? They could have done. So, yeah, it's it's worth reading just to hear some of his views on Ericsson and um, the great Dane, who is probably not going to be with us next season. Um, last week, the news emerged that it sounds like he's agreed in principle to join Man United and Eric Ten Hag and um, the history they have there. And uh, it's... It's yeah, it's kind of a tough one to take actually. It's a little bit surprising. Well it shouldn't have been, but it is. Um Jonathan, how's um how's Ericsson's decision made you feel?
2: Yeah, like many Brentford fans, I think it's left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Um I think it's the hope that kills you, um, more than anything. I think Brentford fans I think we all felt we had a really, really good chance of um him staying. And um yeah, it's just it's just really one of them ones where it kind of set up quite nicely for him to stay, I think um we were like, well, we're offering you you know pretty much hundred percent first you know guaranteed first name on the team sheet um it all ero- um it'll all evolve around him in our style of play um uh he gets to stay in London where it allegedly is where he's wanted to stay with his family. Um, so, it is, it's a real bit of pill to swallow, um, especially for me personally. I don't know how much game time he actually gets at Manchester United. Uh, I know Manchester United are not exactly like pulling up any trees, um, but I still think that, min- that midfield um, berth places um, competition-wise, I think it's still really, really, really tough. And that will only get really tougher if Frankie Dion goes and signs for him. So, um, and that's what makes it a little bit more difficult for me to, to digest in the sense that I, I thought the whole purpose of Ericsson kind of coming back to what he it is, is all gearing up for the World Cup, and I can't see him getting much football um, leading into that World Cup um, while signing for Manchester United. Then again, I couldn't see him um, doing that, uh, getting much football for Tottenham either. So I guess that's just from our bias point of view. Um, but yeah, um, the only thing we can say is that we, I think. Without trying to sound a bit, we just have to say thank you so much for him. For uh, it was, you know, to see a well-classed footballer at Brentford, but we've never seen before. I has to be honest, we've ne- we've not seen that caliber of footballer down at Brentford before, and it was just a joy to watch him play. And we've just got to kind of um, take that and move on. And um, thank you for the memories. Thank you for helping each other out. You know, we've we like to think that we've helped him get to the point where he's now, you know fully, fully back to where he was. Um, if not, maybe even a little bit better prior to his Inter Milan stint. And he's obviously made a, he's played a major part in us staying up. So it's worked out for both parties. It's just a, a massive shame that it won't continue going into next year.
0: Yeah, well put, mate. It is a shame, isn't it? That's, it felt like there was something romantic about him coming to Brentford and then everything we know about football, like the the self-centred the the money side of it, the exploiting every moment of your career at every possible um, opportunity. It just felt like that was going to be a little bit different with Ericsson, but it it isn't in the end, is it? Um, you'd think choosing Man United at this point, with all that's going on there, with the rebuild and everything and the mess they're kind of in, there's got it's, it's purely financial gain. It's not going to be because you want to be the saviour of Man United, because as you said, they've got some big competition there for places and the balance doesn't look right if he plays alongside someone like Fernandez and um, Frankie De Jong. So, how much is he going to play? I mean, they have a lot of games. They have European competition as well, which um, he might fill in too. So, yeah, it, it's just it does it leaves a sour taste in the mouth because you thought, wow, he, this he could come for another six months, keep it steady, and then move into the World Cup, and then who knows what happens after that, or or would he continue on, but. Yeah, it's a sad one. It looks like it's coming to the end and um, we just have to be thankful that we got to see him play. So, yeah, similar views to you on that one from on my end and probably shared with uh, other Brentford fans too. Um, other interesting news is Mads Bistrup. He's gone on a season-long load to Nordisland, um, probably for the best. I think he spent six months there last season and it's going to go on to a season-long loan this year. Yeah. Um, Good little technical midfielder. I think there's um there's a future there. He's had time in the RB Leipzig network at, at youth level, so he's a an intelligent player he's had had um good coaching coming up through the ranks and the, the, the type of midfielders they're breeding are versatile, um good off both feet, can get up and down and then and then act as like that that box presence as well. So he's definitely one for the future looks like um, he needs to get a little bit more he's he's filling out slowly but you just to play midfield in the premier league you need to be physical as well and um that's hopefully a bit he develops too but looks looks like he can can put himself around already for his size but um that will be the next step i think he's got the technical side okay um any thoughts on Mads?
2: uh yeah for me the the only thing i would say is i was a little bit disappointed that he hasn't joined perhaps the championship side um that was that was my only thought because i think with Maz Bistrop, I think he's actually a very, very good player. Um, get to, We've only seen real snippets of him um, here and there, you know, maybe the FA Cup games against Port Vale and stuff. But there, I think there is a really good player there. Um, I think Thomas Frank's already come out and said he's probably one of the best pressers in the team um, from the front. And, yeah, I'd have just liked to have seen him perhaps play, a ch- um, go to a championship side online um, and test himself there where, you know, the standard football is... We've not try not to, try not to disrespect um, the uh, Superliga in um, in Denmark, but um, just, it perhaps just a little bit more of a step up to compared to Norseland. But there must be there's a purpose to everything. Maybe it's the case of him staying out there because Norseland are they're so renowned for bringing such brilliant football uh, players through their academy. Maybe it's a sweetness similar to allegedly what we were trying to do with uh, Lewis Potter at Hull, giving them Marcus Force. So, maybe there's always a catch to everything. Um, but, yeah, really good player, Matt Bishop. Sure. Hopefully, it's not the last we see of him. I know he's signed a new contract, uh, but there's certainly a player in there that I think um, could potentially play for Brentford in the future. And
0: a bit of a change of tact on this one. Um it's not um it's not brand new news it it came out i think last month and it, it sort of emerged that um Brentford are, are going to reopen their academy so it was shut in 2016 for in the favouring of that that BT model that we all know well um yeah th- this is this is interesting because um it looked and when it probably first came out it looked like Brentford were doing it off their own back and that you have to have an academy to compete in European competition like that is one of UEFA's rules anyway but it's actually just also emerged that um, the Premier League themselves have voted, I think in a couple of seasons' time, to be a Premier League club, you must have an academy system. They've all voted for that to come through. So whether that was the news that um, forced Brentford's hand there or it was that foresight of European competition, who knows? We, we won't know exactly. It probably is a bit of both. Um, but yeah, that that's fascinating. And also really it's fascinating because you yourself, Jonathan, you've worked um, in an academy environment, haven't you? Um, it's a big thing for Brentford to reopen theirs. Uh, it, they're in the Premier League now. I think that was always the view, wasn't it? it? It wasn't economically sustainable in the lower leagues, and you're you're basically just developing players for other clubs to come and pick pick off you for like nominal fees. But now that the money is there and it and and um, it, it can be afforded, and it, it looks like a it looks like a venture Brentford are going to go down. Um, you got any views on academies, mate, and your own experiences?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, just from a Brentford point of view, it's obviously. I think it was massive. It was you know real national news when we decided to close our, um, close the, um, the academy, um, which kind of uh, put shot ways throughout the country. Um, and it was a really brave decision. But it's obviously what it's for us um, being in a, in a situation where Brentford are in London. We're competing with huge Cat One clubs um, like your Fulhams and your Chelseas, um, Arsenal's, Tottenham's, etc. You know, losing you—you're you, building these players up, and obviously, how the rules are, you—you've you, got these brilliant players, um, but you're losing them for pittance, and it—it it just wasn't sustainable. And um, I think Matthew Bennon and Rasmus Ankersen's decision at the time has been totally vindicated. Um, but obviously, going forwards, um, I think as the club are now growing, becoming uh, hopefully, Touchwood establishing establishing ourselves as a. As a Premier League side, um, that academy will become more and more important, and um, it becomes necessary in order to obviously compete in the UEFA for UEFA um, for competitions. Um, and obviously, they talk about the expansion of the uh, the, um, the training ground as well, which is a massive complex. So it's just it's again it's the, it's the branding of the club, just the whole exposure, the whole. Um, where the club is going it's just becoming more and more bigger and they will we will start to be able to compete with the likes of you know your Chelsea's and Tottenham's and Arsenal's for example for players um so yeah it's it's exciting times and I'm obviously I'm a massive uh advocate for it I think um from a, from a fan and professional point of view I don't think there's anything better than seeing a young player progress through the academy and then obviously um put on the shirt and go and play for the first team there is, uh, there's nothing better, and um, hopefully, when it come, you know, I don't know, maybe five, ten years down the line, that will that will be the case,
0: and uh, we'll see that flourish. It'd be good to chat to you about academies and stuff, um, maybe on the Patreon sometime. Just ask you a few questions about your experiences and like you working within one, and what that environment feels like, and and whether Brentford have missed out on anything over these last few years. I mean, the the club's been really successful, so you'd immediately think not, but. Um, there is something in the community and and development and and just that that group that um of players we don't seem interested in currently but we're we're gonna have to be soon because um we're gonna have to think about their pathway so yeah it'd be really fascinating to pick your brains on that and maybe something we do over on the patreon at some stage for those um keen people who like to get into the the depths of these things um like myself um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be one to watch out for. Yeah, keen to keen to see how that developments uh, develops, and um, at the same time, there's going to lead to be a whole load, uh, a whole load of staff to be recruited to look after these different age groups and and um, and focus on that. And it's it's going to be something that Brentford have been lucky enough to just park to the side um, for a long time. It's it's going to be challenging, so we'll keep an eye out on that one. But yeah, those are the interesting news stories that stood out and uh, just have a quick chat about those and bring us up to speed. Um, the main reason we are here is to continue on with the Summer Recruitment Series. Um, we've already done a look at the squad. We've already had a look at um, defenders to come in, where we spoke. Um, Hickey Hickey was someone we um, we had a good chat about and some of his attributes and what he might bring. And you can go back and listen to those. Um, but this one is going to focus on midfielders. Um the hardest position to play on the field, I, I think. Um, I think many would agree as well. Um, central midfielders as well. So last summer, this was um, this was quite easy because I think we we were completely stocked with midfielders and we'd signed Don It was it was clear he was coming, um, and we just felt like we had a whole. We just had loads of them. Um, after a season of this season, after a season had just gone, and the season we've just had, it, it looks like. We we are still stocked in the midfield area, but I think it's become clear that a couple of them might have to move on, and we didn't get to see as much of some as we we'd have liked. So it, even though it does feel quite a bloated area, especially with some of the youngsters coming through as well, it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right that the the position we're in. We still we feel like there's a little bit of movement still going on, but at the same time, though in Brentford, they could um, just trust who's here now and just let them get on with it. I'm going to kick off with this question from Phil Brown, uh, Brownie. He's asking when's the midfielders' pod going to be recorded. Well, we're doing it right now. Um, his thoughts on replacing Ericsson. Is it going to be like a like for like change, or do we need to change the style for this new season? And he's asking, can Jensen step up and fill his boots? Jonathan, I'll let you take that mo- that bombshell.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a real it's a real difficult one. Um... From a personal perspective, um, I think you've got yeah, again, I think you've got three options, haven't you? I think you either go like for like, try and try try and find someone in that Ericsson mould where they're technically in that same that same foot where they like to come get come deep, have got that awareness, will dictate the play from deep, um, take a lot of the opposition out of the game. Um drift into spaces, stuff like that, um, set pieces, etc. So that's the sort of mandate that you would class in Ericsson. Um, and then the secondly is, so the, when this Ericsson news come out, the the first thought was right, we either go get someone very similar or it's a big season for Joshua Silva, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, obviously it's well documented, the Silva, it really, uh, more or less a non-existent season last year due to injury. Um, fingers crossed, Touchwood. He has a full strength, um, a full preseason to get back up to date. Um, obviously, the and Eriksson, completely different players, but I can see the um, the silver filling into that sort of that void. Um, and what you'd be getting instead of that sort of um, dictator, if you like, you'd have someone. Who would receive the ball from deep, but then someone who'd be direct and look to kind of, with the ball travel, try and break the lines, um, go and enjoy, um, try and drift that wide a little bit. Who would go and try and, uh, try and overload on the opposition fallbacks, um, and that's what I think the silver would give you. So, it would, and with that, he'd be brilliant in in possession, but also on the uh, on the on the transition, uh, receiving it, um, uh, when we when we're in. We're in Perhaps under pressure, so that's where the silver I think comes in, and then obviously your third option is is Jensen, who is 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 very much in that Eriksen mold. But I thought when we saw Eriksen last year, we actually saw Ericsson play his best football with. Um, we saw Jensen plays best, best football with Ericsson last year, and that was when Jensen perhaps played a little bit further further forwards, going and joining the attack, um, freed him up a little bit. Wasn't you know so stickler in his position, um, so. Yeah, it's it's a real difficult one. I mean, it's a case of do do you stick or twist? Um, how much does an Ericsson, um replacement cost? Because uh, if if you're looking at an Ericsson, um, take away what what happened last year, um, all the circumstances, Ericsson was probably what I don't know what is he a twenty five thirty million pound player? And that's probably out of our uh, that's probably out of our re, um, our budget. So it's, it's a real difficult one. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, yeah I, I'd leave it up to you to kind of guess and see where we go with it.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to call, isn't it? It leads well into Rich McDougall's question. Some of the things you were just saying there as well. Um, Rich says, uh, it seemed to me that part of the positive impact Ericsson provided was having two genuinely two footed quarterbacks in a three man midfield. He's saying like with Jensen. So he's like backing up what you were kind of saying there. Some of Jensen's best football. Um, Given there is no one else in the squad with that profile, does it become an urgent gap to fill, or do we change approach? Um,
2: yeah, again, it's just it's, it's a real it's a really difficult one. Um, I, I don't I don't think it's urgent in the sense that I think again I'm resting my hopes on the silver. Again, I I think we can adapt and we will, we can kind of change. I think when we've got our defensive stability in Norgaard and Yanel, I think. For me, what I'd like to see is perhaps have that other midfielder, have that little bit more licence to go and just have that free roam. So um, someone who's going to go and you know create stuff, go and be a bit of a maverick um, and almost be that number 10, if you will. So that's, that's how I would personally approach it, just because I think um, just to add a bit more attacking uh, bodies forward to you're already your front-line. So, um, and I think that's what the silver gives you or, or someone else. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if 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 you're if you if, if you're going down the line of where we need that quarterback, then, yes, we need to go out and get someone. Um, and we need someone. Yeah, again, it would be urgent because um, in order to play that's the same way that we kind of did towards the end of the season, then we would need someone to come in and, and, and build that void.
0: If if everyone's fit and we've we've got everyone to choose from, what's your what's your most started three midfield three with with the with the players we have now without signing anyone centrally?
2: Yeah, so it'd be Norgard in, in the six, um, out in the in the eight, and then the Silver in the ten. Um, for me, that's your best. That's your best three in midfield. And not only that, I think with them three you've got versatility as well because we. Lo- We've seen Janel also push forward a lot uh, towards the, when we went to 4-3-3. We saw Janel really start to go with Tony as well. So I think they those three are certainly your best three. It's just whether you we deem or the coaching staff or the three themselves are up to kind of managing that, that expectation, if that makes sense, and they're good enough to go and win us football matches, if you like. Because... Uh, it was almost like we were able with Ericsson we were able to control games, we were able to dictate games and we were playing the game how we wanted to, to play it and not opposed to how the opposition wanted to play. So yeah, in my opinion I think those that that's the best three. It's just whether again one is the silver fit enough and back to his old best um from previous years and are they all three are they kind of work together to to yeah go in a boss in the field if you like in the Premier League
0: yeah I agree I, th- I think that's the three I'd go I think that's our best three of balance and and getting up and down the pitch and also and also size and presence I think you play Jensen and I think that just reduces our physicality off the ball and and in possession and I, f- I think he's he looks a busy player but like do you know when you have smaller players and their legs look like they're moving quicker and, than they actually are and yeah, I, I just think that ranginess of De Silva. If he if he comes into the team and just gets a full season of like what we know he's capable of, that itself could be like signing the the twenty thirty million pound player that you were saying that that um, would be just beyond us, really, that we wouldn't go and get. So it's always like good to look and see around the squad and and maybe that's what the that's what the um, owners and the directors of football are doing and thinking. We've got Baptiste to emerge, we've got De Silva to come back. On only got half a season. Um, there's a few players there. You add them together, and they probably do just about across the course of a season do what Eriksen did, and maybe a little bit more. So I'll have to keep an eye out on this one. But yeah, all of the questions coming in, pretty much most of them are all about um, about Christian Ericsson, what we do post Ericsson, and, and the worries. Or, or I don't know, worries is a bit strong. But um, Chris Fries also says, without Christian Ericsson, how do you see Thomas Frank adjusting the midfield to compensate? who on the roster best fills in or for a transfer target what specific things you would be looking for to boost the midfield and the reason why I did that is because um, we kind of when you look at our midfield like Josh De was a very different player to Ericsson in that um, he's, he can move the ball at tempo he can move the ball left and right at speed and, and can play passes but he likes to he's quite a transitional player isn't he like he's quite powerful on the break and and can take people on from a standing start and get skills past people and and then likes to shoot from range but the one that sat in our squad that is probably like a younger Ericsson is Matthias Jensen and I just don't I, I, I don't think that's the future in any sense at all I'm, I'm not sure I wouldn't want to see someone like Ericsson get 2,000, 2,500 minutes for, for us next season, because I don't think that's a recipe for going up the table. I think that's a surefire way to to us looking a little bit ordinary and the newcomers into the league overtaking us. So Dapper Rapper comes in with a little bit on the dead ball side here. He's asking, um, one thing I'm a bit concerned about is that once De Silva is 100% fit, he should probably be starting. But without Christian Ericsson, Jensen is probably first choice for taking set pieces. Um, and he wants to know what the best starting midfield is, which we've we've both um, uh, agreed on. Uh, if the team doesn't include Jensen, what is better? A midfield that is going to be the best overall for open play, but a team that has a poorer than expected free kick delivery, or a team with a starting midfield that is like a little bit weak and sacrificing quality to have a better set piece taker? <laughs> what do you think to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a bit of a no brainer. It's got to be a best overall um, midfield from open play. Um, the one thing is that these are professional footballers. I mean, they should should be able to, I think, uh, well, they should all be able to take a, a free kick uh, from deep or a corner. And uh, I think Mbuemo's had experience of taking direct free kicks. I mean, I remember his uh, free kick away at Cardiff City in the Championship. Um, so Mem- and Mbwemo takes corners as well. Um, De Silva's taken corners before. Um, so for me, that's not a, not a major issue.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health Um, it's. I think
2: I think it can all be that can all be uh, re- adjusted if you like that, that. I don't think you just sacrifice um a certain player just because another one is very good from a dead ball situation. In my opinion, um, yeah, that's just the way it is. Uh, you got a ninety minute game of football, and yeah, I, I, that's that's the way it is in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um set pieces are really important in the game, but these are pros like if you if you if you watch them in training and um those kind of things, they'll all be able to hit really small targets from distances. Some will be a little bit better than others, but there will just be a baseline standard in which all of these guys can can um can basically can hit and can and can be at consistently and that should be enough for us to still profit from um someone like how good Tony is in the air. Janelt, Pinnock, Jansen. Janssen. Um, yeah, and 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 it's also another maybe another way to think about it. Someone like James Ward-Prowse. I'm not a huge fan of him in open play, but deadly from set pieces. I mean, is there someone that Southampton could play better in, in open play? Would they be up further up the table if they didn't rely on him? Or has he carried them with his set pieces? Not sure, but it's definitely not something you'd look at as... Um, to make up for sort of poor quality on the ball, I, I think there's you need to be better at open play because more of the game is in open play. It's not just um, it's not just a, it's not like an American sport where it's all about those other bits like those those sort of set piece bits. There's much more to it than that. It's much more fluid and that's the real bread and butter, isn't it? But yeah, great question. I really enjoyed that one. It's um, it's pretty thoughtful. Um, I'm going to do one more and then we're going to move into some of these players in this list actually because this is the this is why we're this is why we're chatting, to go through some midfielders that potentially might come in. Um, Eddie Sykes on Twitter, he says, do you think Joe Aribo to Southampton is the first example of Rasmus stealing a player that we've previously been interested in and potentially were in for, given the £10 million fee? And I think what he's um, getting at there is like £10 million is a steal for Joe Aribo. What do you think to that one, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it, I'd be surprised if Rasmus isn't looking at players or has a similar list to players that we, he would have seen whilst at Brentford, and he's obviously now working with a bigger, bigger budget. Um, as opposed to stealing, I don't, I don't think um, that's probably ever come into that equation. Um, I do remember when we were linked with Aribo, It was when he was at Sholton, and obviously he went to Rangers. Uh, but in hindsight, it worked out so well for us that Aribo didn't come to us because um, him and De, I think it allowed De Silva then the following season to really flourish and they're two very very similar players and I would still say a, jo- a fit Joshua Silver on his day I'd still prefer him over Joe Uribe. Um and that's, and that's in my opinion um, uh, but yeah I can certainly see where you're coming from in regards to that and the sort of side of play and you can really I, I, I really commend actually how Southampton are kind of doing their business at the moment and you can really see the the sort of transfer outline they're looking for—they're obviously buying small, and will eventually sell big. Um, I think the, the, the goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu—I think it's a fantastic signing. Um, the young lad from City, Romeo Lavia—he's uh, get fifteen million again. It's a snippet. The boy is so so good. He, he again he will go on for big big money to a big club, um, and they're being linked with the likes of you know you like Liam Delaps and. You can kind of see like their transfer strategy in regards to like they want to get these young players in, give them first team football, and then eventually they will, you know, obviously with that first team exposure, and how well they will they will do because they are very very good football players. They will go on and uh, obviously profit back into the football club. So you can see that that sort of um, strategy that perhaps Rasmus and cetera have tried to install in there. So Southampton certainly wants to watch. Uh, going forward in that stage um yeah really really interesting
0: yeah it feels a bit like they're doing the the thing that we've been good at and doing with the b team and just plucking those players that are dripping out of football but they're just doing it at a higher level aren't they like Delaps not going to really make it a city um it's probably a step too far well he's ready he's good enough to play football um similar with liver last year um these lads need to play and they're good enough to play but the clubs they're at are probably just a step too far and there's too much at stake for them to, to make it there so why not get these players for cheap and, and convince them that if they want to play come to these teams that are slightly lower down but you're still going to get premier league football and if you think you're good enough and you can do it um we'll give you the platform for it yeah it's and i reckon Rasmus will absolutely love that <laughs> he will be all over that and and as much as um yeah the the black book that Brentford will be looking at Everyone will be aware of all of the English players. Like they'll know those to begin with. It's just you might just skip past those because you know how difficult they are to bring in, or or um or there's like an English tax added to them because they are expensive. So that's why they have probably not been looked at in the past. But Brentford would have been well aware of these players. They'd have just moved past them quickly. Now Rasmus might actually be able to stop at some of these players and and um and appreciate them and bring them into the fold. And it looks like uh it looks like uh, we don't know how. Closely, his role is to to sort of first team recruitment and things like that. I think he's got a bigger scope there, but um, yeah, there's um, there's some interesting things going on at Southampton, isn't there? Uh, and yeah, Joe Rebo might add to that list. Um, let's uh, let's chat about a couple of players now. We've um, we've talked about some problems with our own team and solutions and how we're going to get past there. It, it does feel like it does feel like there's a lot of midfielders are in our in our squad at the moment. I think you could see someone got us moving on and just opening up a space. He got a few minutes last year, if they can get him, if they can get him on, um, get him on to someone else's books. And it might free up the space for someone to come in. And th- there's a few midfielders knocking around that, uh, that uh, some of them I really like, I've liked for a while. And I think if, if things have gone other ways, they may have already been at the club. Um, one we're going to talk about first. And uh, you filled me in that this one looks like he's out of the game. And it was just raised to us, by, who was this? This was James on Twitter. He sent a few players in. Um, uh, Evander was the first one he he um, sent in in his list. And I think we can chat about him. I, I think we've both ruled this out, but it's good to, It's good to talk about this player. I think it looks like Galatasaray is strongly linked to him and he's probably going to move to Turkey. But he's um, a midfielder at FC Mitterland, um, same club um, that Frank Onyaki came from and also owned by Matthew Benham um very very good midfielder and like that box-to-box range would suit the Premier League you can see the athleticism and uh, that he's got that ghosting into the box and can get up and down good mobility can move like laterally as well and and yeah lots lot very talented player and if you watch him he profiles similar to Yuri Tillemans he looks a little bit like Ericsson as well um that Pascal Gross and there's a bit of like De Bruyne that that sort of third midfielder but also can fill in as um as a part of that double pivot as well, just very talented. But um, it's just really unlikely that I think he'd come in. Um, we've had Frank Onyeka move from um, FC Midtjylland to Brentford and it doesn't feel like he's had a fair crack at the whip. And and you can't really bring in other FC Midtjylland midfielders in to, to push him out of the way and say, right, it's, it's Evander's turn without giving Onyeka a turn in the first place. You've got to see how Onyeka gets on. Um, what, what do you think to Evander? Have you seen much of it, mate?
2: Yeah, when you when you look at the profile we're talking about um replacing Eriksson with, I think Evander comes really, really close to that. Um just someone that's really, really technically um really really astute, someone that receives it in tight areas. Um yeah, he's 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 got a bit of everything and he's a bit of a maverick as well in the sense that I think he uh can roam and, you know, kind of have that sort of individual skill about him. Um uh so he's kind of the closest like profile that i've seen um just but certainly within our mandate of uh replacement for errickson um yeah sadly, I don't think it would i don't think it will come um close to being anywhere near uh signing for us because I think he is off somewhere else but um when you watch him i think he's a certain profile that i think would come close to perhaps what we we'd need if we wanted to get a replacement for Ericsson. Um, again, you know, the difference from uh, Danish football to the Premier League is obviously very, very high. So whether he would be able to trans- uh, transfer that into the Premier League is obviously a different different question. We've seen Onyeka really excel with there, but perhaps struggled a little bit when, uh, when he comes to Brentford, a little bit at the start of the season. Um, and we fully expect him to kind of um, kick on next year. But yeah, I mean... As far as trying to find that complete, complete midfielder, um, i.e. Eriksen, it's 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 nigh on impossible. So trying to find someone that is there's room for development, um, uh, someone with a little bit more of raw ability, um, then yeah, uh, that's certainly what we need uh, going forward.
0: Um, the next one on the list is um, one of my favourite players and watched him for years now and really like him, um, Lewis O'Brien at Huddersfield. So Got narrowly missed out on the Premier League. Um, in the playoffs of the Championship. Um, played under Carlos Corberan this last season. Corberan's actually just left Huddersfield, which is um, which came as a bit of a surprise. Actually, I wasn't expecting that. I thought we had a good season, but it looks like they both want to move in a different direction. Um, but yeah, Lewis, Lewis O'Brien. Do you you a bit of a fan of him? Do you think he could do a job?
2: Yeah, I like I like O'Brien a lot. To be fair, um, he always excels whenever you watch him play for Huddersfield. Like always. He's um, he reminds me of a bit of a, a bit of Ryan Woods, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but he plays a little bit further up, higher up. Um, you know, he's one of them. You know, small, stocky. It looks like as soon as you get a ball, he's gonna he's gonna bite your ankle like a proper proper one of them ones. Um, covers so much ground. Um, the only thing I would say with O'Brien is, does he improve us on the ball? Um, from what we already have, I'm I'm personally not not sure. With that, um, I don't think he improves us technically. Um, but if, for example, say a Jan out left tomorrow, obviously, touch he doesn't, then I would see O'Brien as that perfect replacement, that perfect box to box who could, he'll just get us up and down the pitch. Um, uh, but yeah, as opposed to someone that I think replacing the Ericsson mold, I don't think he quite fits that bill but he is a very 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 good player and I'd be surprised if he isn't in the Premier League this year I know he's getting linked with uh, Forrest recently and I think Leeds were after him quite a lot last year you know that he, he he's definitely a Premier League player and I was surprised he was even in the Championship last year uh, but yeah I, I don't think he's the right mould for us at the moment but yeah top top player
0: yeah he's a class act, isn't he um, I've got in my notes as well similar to Adam Forshaw too that that very busy um yeah low center of gravity stocky player that you're describing um yeah just great to watch I, I think um he can do he can do a lot of things in midfield like i've got he can do the volume passing and he's um he's got that power for running off the ball as well when soon, soon as it goes wide or as soon as something breaks he can just burst forward and provide that third option um Gets a couple of tap-ins as well. So he's a good player, good at hitting the box and timing his runs into the box well. And yeah, just really good at pressing. And you can see why Leeds were interested in him and Bielsa would have flagged him. And you are right, he probably should have last, maybe just gave an extra year out of loyalty to Huddersfield, but you'd think he's coming to the end of that now and someone is going to take a plunge on him. But yeah, left-footed as well, very, very left-footed. So we do have a couple of prominent left-footed players now and I think you can... Can you just have too many left footers in your team? I think you can. I think a midfield of Yanet, silver O'Brien, um, it does start to feel a little bit heavy on that left side. I don't know. You might lose a couple of their angled passes the other way just because of that. So yeah, you're right. It would it would take someone. He's probably not the the one to fill the gap that we have. But if someone was to leave, then you could see you could see him coming in and being. Um, being a, an interesting player at Premier League level, it's his height that would probably worry me slightly. He's not a tall guy, so you give up a bit of height in the in the defensive set pieces area. Um, but is that made up um, in other areas? And is he good enough for that? Because we were just talking about how important open players versus um, set pieces. It's not it's not the be all and end all, but yeah, lovely to see what happens in his career next. Um, hopefully, good things for him, but probably not going to be um, not going to be at Brentford um another one is um even smaller than lewis o'brien is gustavo hamer he's um he's a wild one uh very good player though and, and has done well at the championship the last couple of seasons um uh I, I yeah he's been put forward as one to discuss and um but this would be just a non starter in so many different ways. But he's got some qualities. Um, I've got in my notes like good at initiating tempo, can control the speed of a game, can look long, can look short. He's very tenacious, but just terrible discipline is something that I've always thought of. Hamer, um, what do you think about him, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember he he scored some unbelievable goals as well in the last few years. He's yeah, he's he's he's, he's renowned for a worldie, isn't he? Um, yeah, again, I I associate him quite similar to Lewis O'Brien. very tenacious, uh, again, an ankle biter. Um, I think he has overstepped the mark in regards to his discipline quite a fair bit the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he's really impressed in regards to... like He he certainly runs his show quite a fair bit when he's on the ball. Um, yeah, a tidy, tidy player, um, not afraid to do the hard work. So yeah, again, is he the same? Is he similar to what we kind of want? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, a, a good player, nonetheless, and someone not I would expect to be in the Premier League as well uh, before long.
0: Yeah, good player. And you were saying about some of his goals as well. So he's got that attacking ability as well. Um, you just feel like championship level is probably his, the top end of the championship is, is probably his peak, isn't it? I don't think he's quite got the consistency. And, and um yeah i think as well at premier league level you need your discipline needs to be perfect you can't have anyone who's erratic and and gonna let the team down because going down to 10 men is basically just giving away the game at at that level so not probably a player that um, would have stood out because of his discipline um another interesting player is a little bit one i've yeah another one of my favorites i've always liked and and probably around that time um that uh, that um, Christian Norgar came into the team and he was sort of one that I was looking at filling that gap that we had in that DM role and that, that box-to-box role and screening the, uh, the defence and being that heartbeat of midfield. It's, um, it's Christian Bielek. Arsenal youth product, um, went on to Derby and had a couple of years there and um, had a serious knee injury last year, I think, and was out for a long time, but managed to come back uh, for the second half of the season, not enough to keep Derby up but um, helped Poland qualify for the World Cup. He's very much on the defensive side. And I think, again, it's, it's almost like he's not... Ericsson profiles probably a little bit more defensively than he is, but it's not quite what we're after for, to fill that gap. But whoever gets this player is going to get a serious midfielder because you, you can see that he's got the ability to play Premier League. Just that athleticism, the size, the physicality and um, and the technical too. Um. Yeah, what do you think about Christian Bielik? Do you think um, again it's gonna it would be like if we lost another player that we bring someone like him in? He's not quite the he's not quite what we're after, is he?
2: This is what I kind of associate. So when we were kind of talking before in regards to like certain names, I would put Bielik down as something the wild the wild card sort of choice. Uh, the reason I say that is because when he does play for Derby, and by when I say that it's it's quite rare at the moment, the last couple of years because he's just stricken with injuries. But with Billick, um, especially you know, going back to his Charlton days when he was on loan there, and I think his first year at Derby, um, he was a powerhouse, like a really like player that looked, looked like he was going to reach the top. And what I like about Billick at the moment is that if the player, if there is a similar player still in there, um, the pros towards it is that he can play in a back three, he can play midfield, and obviously with Derby's situation, he can't be on much money. You know, he's a, he's a real tall, big, big stance of a fella. He's, he's he's a real threat from set pieces. Um, I think he scored he scored quite a few from set pieces for Derby, um, and he would be my like if you if you needed someone to sit on the bench. And I know we don't sign players to sit on the bench because um, there's not much value in that. But I, I would say that if we needed someone to kind of operate in certain areas, and someone that could come in and fill it and fill the void and do a job then i would certainly put billick towards the front of that queue if that makes sense um and yeah i, I really like billick just a, a, but i'm obviously it's such a shame of where he's gone just in regards to injuries the last few years um but um yeah i mean i if if you turned around to me tomorrow for example said oh look i've heard that billick is actually signing i would not be dis- i would not be displeased at all just because i would be like brilliant that's another. That's a good name for the bench, and he could go play centre half in a back three, play in midfield if and go cover. So, and he can fill like different voids. So, um, yeah, and hopefully he gets his career. But I mean, if he gets a full season in League One, he should be boss in that league. I mean, he's far too good for League One. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes, uh, Bilic, uh, going forward.
0: Yeah, he's just been blighted by injury this last year. Um, he needs a break, doesn't he? I mean, just relegated to League One, <laughs> um, terrible injuries. Maybe the World Cup's, um, the moment he gets to shine and just um just put like the last year behind him and but yeah, he's he's gonna have to play it whether whether he sticks around at Derby, I'm not sure what the what the feeling is with him. But yeah, he definitely shouldn't be playing at League One level. It's um it does feel like it's beneath him. But if he wants consistent football and and wants to play, then maybe, maybe he does stay. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Another one in our list here is uh, a player that a few of us should know well. And um, he's had some good youth England football days. He's started to, he's made a bit of a name for himself in the championship as well. And he's, he's now um got some Premier League minutes behind him as well. His name is Morgan Gibbs-White. Do you want to lead with this one, Jonathan?
2: Yeah. So this could, this one could have even got, could have gone into the midfield section, but also the forward section. The reason um, I wanted to bring this name forward is I think when we're looking at that type of profile, um uh I think Morgan Gibbs White really fits that void. I think he can play anywhere in midfield, he could play in that, he can play a little bit deeper, he can play in the number ten, he could play wide right, right, wide left. Do you know what? Even if you even if you were really scrapped for players, he could play as a false nine. Um the reason I bring him up as well, because there's rumours that I think Wolves is, are looking to cash on in him. Um how much money I'm not really, really sure. But I think he's such a really talented, talented player. Um someone that really loves to receive the ball in between the lines. Um one v one, he's he's got incredible skill. Um I'm 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 very surprised Wolves were actually considering letting him go, if I'm being completely completely honest. Um I can and he's young enough, uh obviously English, so um that straight away counts towards his value going forwards. Um yeah, I, ju- I could just see him fitting into our team just really, really nicely in that in that in that ten position. Um uh he's yeah, he's, he's got a bit of everything, Morgan Gibbs away. I think he's got he's got a really good technical ability, he's got a great range of passing. Um so yeah, that's why I thought I'd throw him in there just to, to to chuck his name out there.
0: Yeah, very talented, can play in any of those positions, as you're saying, really versatile. Um surprisingly got crept up on the minutes these last few years as well and starting to play regular football and make a, make a name for himself and just carve out positions. Or well the opposite of just carving out positions, just showing that he can actually play in multiple positions. Maybe not nailing down one position, but yeah, that's um that's the kind of versatility that Brentford are looking for. Um but yeah, with with some of these, it shows you just how difficult it is in finding just replacing Ericsson exactly. And and is it just improving a number of other areas in your team that you, you kind of don't miss a player like Ericsson and and hoping that some of the players we've got coming through push on and and just force their way into the team too? Um, James on Twitter asks, he'd just like to hear our thoughts on Paris Magoma, Bidstrup, Miles Pert Harris, and Alex Gilbert. Um Four young lads, um, that we spoke about earlier, he's got he's got himself a season long loan abroad in um, for land. So we'll, we'll take him out of this. We've spoken a little bit about him, but it'd be good to hear your thoughts. And then I'll say a few words uh, on, on these lads as well. Um, Paris yeah. Magoma for one, he's um has he been promoted to the first team?
2: Yeah, so um, yeah, so straight away four four very very different footballers. Um, so Paris Magoma, um, he's uh, more of a deep line midfielder. So someone that would play in the six or the eight position, um, look to receive it off the back four, back three, cutting kind of on the half turn. He's got a really good range of passing. Um, he's very technically very astute. Um, defensively, I'm not too sure on, um, I think that's perhaps an area where he perhaps wants to improve on. Very similar to Joshua Silva, where Joshua Silva coming from Arsenal, you know, they were told, you know, you've got all this ability, but it's going backwards that perhaps you need to improve on. So, I think Maguire is probably a little bit similar to that situation. Um, but there's a player in there, really, really good player. And I think uh, Brent fans will see a lot of him during pre-season. Yeah, obviously, with Bidstrup, again, um, just a very, very aggressive impressor. Um, someone that could play in the eight and the six. Um, obviously, won't see much of him this year. But going forward, hopefully, we'll see him. Pert Harris is a, he's a, he's a really interesting one. We've spoken quite a fair bit about him previous uh, previous times, but... Per Harris is uh, is is essentially like a number 10 um he's always, he's throughout his academy football where it's 16s or 18s or 23s with Chelsea his prominent position's been um in the 10 uh, behind the center forward in a 4231 or in a 433 with two 10s um which is interesting because we essentially don't play that formation unless we uh, adapted to that in a in a in a going forward but and that's perhaps where we haven't seen much of him. Uh, and he's probably having to adapt to play a little bit deeper. Um, but yeah, per Harris, he's a, he's a bit of a Frank Lampard type. He arrives in, in the box quite late, um, scores good goals. You know, he's always in the right position. Uh, technically very, very good. He's physical. Um, defensively, again, is probably something that he just perhaps needs to work on going forward. But um, yeah, just a, a really, really technical, technical football player that... Um, will score goals from deep and is perhaps that midfielder um that we've been after in regards to who scores goals from midfield. Um and lastly Alex Gilbert is uh so he's, uh, he's a left winger. He's went on loan to Swindon, I believe, um was it last year or the year before? Um he was he's quite a technical, nifty left winger. Um I think his chances are perhaps going to be probably passing by a little bit now. I think the I think he's I think they're probably looking to move him on. I think he's had his opportunity um with the first team. I believe he's training straight up with the B team, so um there's no involvement with the first team, I I, I don't believe. So uh but yeah, he's he's a player who probably will stay in the UFL and go to like either a League One or a League Two club. Um but yeah, he's he, again, he's he's very good one v one, uh good goal scoring record for the B team as well. And yeah, yeah, uh shame you haven't seen more of him.
0: Yeah, good round up, mate. Cheers. Yeah, out of those ones then, which, who would you say is um, most likely to burst their way through and actually get some first-team minutes? Because we're going to have five subs next year, aren't we? There's going to be more players that can play. I don't think Brentford will be handing out appearances just for the fun of it, but um, injuries might dictate. Um, do you think it's, who would you say is more likely to get some minutes? Miles Per-Harris or Paris Magoma?
2: Yeah, it's between them two, isn't it? I think it does down come down to injuries. Um, I would probably just because of the inflated position, I'm probably gonna to have to say Per Harris has probably got more of a chance um, of more minutes next year as opposed to Magoma, just because obviously Magoma competing with you know Janelle and Norgard and you know yeah in that in that deeper role. So Magoma will probably get quite a fair fair crack at the whip in the in the cup games, but with Per Harris, I think when when you're looking at perhaps needing a goal off the bench. Um, I think per Harris will certainly be someone they'll probably turn to um if the options aren't quite there, so yeah I think hopefully you know we haven't seen much of miles per Harris you know he's i think we all kind of expect him to be a little bit more in or around the squad last year didn't for whatever reason didn't happen uh but hopefully um we hopefully will kick on this year have a good pre-season and uh yeah hopefully he will crack on and show how good he is because he's a very, very, very good football player.
0: I think we're going to leave it there. I think it's it's just so hard with midfielders, isn't it? I mean, we've got a lot of them and there's a lot of them out there and we've just lost a really good one, but do we already have his replacements in the club? I think we probably do. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see nothing really change in the midfield front and it's time for the others that are there to push on and show what they can do and, and give them a chance in the Premier League. But yeah, that's felt like it's flown by. Cheers for that, Jonathan. Um, Remind us again, mate, where we can find you online.
2: Uh, you can just find me on um, Twitter at Hopi95 if yeah, if you want to just uh, ever talk football, Brentford. But I'm always I'm always going to the games. I'm always uh, home and away. So yeah, if you want to buy me a beer or vice versa, more welcome.
0: Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I think a lot of people might take you up on that, mate. Yeah. Um, but yeah that leaves me to say remember to support the patreon to help keep the podcast wheels turning and yeah you get to listen to it ad free as well and um yeah keeps us going um thanks for listening guys uh please like review and share and yeah we'll catch you next time see ya